3: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
4: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: I mean, somewhat appropriate after our conversation about being a Carolina sports fan, Charlotte sports fan. Uh, a couple minutes ago. Welcome back into BetQL Daily, alongside Joe and Aaron. I'm Chris. We are locked in live coast to coast on the BetQL network and wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app. Don't forget you can watch and interact with the show as well on Twitch, twitch.tv slash BetQL. Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus in twenty minutes to talk about not just conference championship weekend, but something we're going to dive into here in a moment, mock draft season. It has kicked up already. One hour from now, Jimmy Patzos of Monumental Sports Network to talk college and NBA hoops, in particular, the mess in Milwaukee. But let's start with the mock drafts here, friends. Uh, I, I jotted down four real quick that I noticed from some of the big mock draft names. Mel Kuyper came out with his first of the season yesterday. Uh, Dane Brugler of The Athletic has had one out for a couple days. Same from Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah at NFL Network. And they all agree on one thing. And we can start here, I think, Joe. They all agree the Bears take Caleb Williams at number one. They don't trade back. Uh, Who knows what happens to Justin Fields in this scenario. But they stick at one and they take Caleb Williams. So do we think uh, three months out, a lot can happen. But do we think that that th- ends up being the Bears' move?
0: Yeah, um, I'll say this: after going through a lot of mocks uh, this morning, I think it's time to close them up. When I get to the one that says one-one, the Bears select Bo Nicks. Like, okay, no. we, we need that. We need to close up shop no. here. Like, we're we're good for yeah. the day. I've seen enough. Now we can move on. Now we can move on. Delete to from the, that more the reputable- browser history. Yeah, the more reputable mock drafts that are out there. I did find one. Our lads, their most recent mock draft, they put Marvin Harrison Jr. 1-1. I thought it was pretty interesting. So if he's the guy you have circled, what do you do if you're at one? Now, when you don't have a quarterback or you're unsure of a quarterback going into year four, eh, you, you really have the answer on Justin Fields. If, but if he's the target, what do you move down to? Where can you go to get your guy? If he go to four, I'm not sure that he's going to be there. He might be gone. But like that's something because a lot of Bears fans have him targeted. But with the Shane Waldron hire at offensive coordinator, you know, the thinking is a couple lines. Now, if Iberflus is not the guy, did you bring in a guy that could step in? Possibly. I'm very surprised with the move. I'm positive about it. And the natural question in town has been, what does this mean for fields? Does this mean they are more likely to trade for a haul to someone that really wants Caleb Williams, like they did last year with Carolina and the Bryce Young move? Or does that mean that they're going to go forward, move on for fields, take Caleb at 1-1? I think the latter. I think the more we get into this, um, ever since the season has ended, some of the moves that they've made, the chatter that I've heard, it looks like it's going to be Caleb at one one. You can't be the Bears, the team that has forever been looking for the quarterback, and you mess up on Mahomes. You trade up and you took the wrong guy in Trubisky. Um, you trade out of one one to not take a quarterback. You you didn't take Jalen Carter because of a character issue, and you let Houston jump up and take Stroud. Uh, would they have taken Stroud? I don't know, and then people think Caleb Williams is going to be an all-timer and then you're going to pass that guy up too and you're still not sure about your quarterback you can't do all that like at some point time to take a stand and i don't know the way that defense played next year um if they keep their pick like are they going to be in a position to get the best quarterback not sure they are in that position this year i think they keep the one and i think they take Caleb That's a good
1: point about the history and just how much pressure they have and they have this opportunity right in front of them that if they don't make the right decision, it's going to look really bad. Um, And you would know the most about that, Joe, because that was my biggest question. Like, what happens with Justin Fields? What happens when there's all these teams that need quarterbacks that are trying to trade up and get Caleb? Like, do they make some crazy decision? But after listening to you, it just wouldn't make sense for them to do that, would it? And then, like, you're running it back with Justin Fields. They're going to get crushed.
2: And I think that brings about the question, what's next for Justin Fields then? But I don't know how that relates to anybody else in the top 10 of the draft. Like, if you're Washington or New England and you can have mm, Drake May, maybe Jaden Daniels, is that, does that make more sense uh, than taking a guy who you think maybe wasn't served well in Chicago? I would think you would take your own quarterback at the top of the draft. That would be me anyway. Yeah. Um, in all of these big time mocks that have come out in the last couple of days, three of the four I cited, Kuyper, Brugler, Brooks, and Jeremiah have Williams, May, and Daniels going some order one, two, three. Uh, Bruegler has May going second to Washington and Marvin Harrison going third to New England, and actually mm. has Jane Daniels dropping all the way down to Atlanta at nine. Um, so that's what gets interesting for me then is if and in everything you laid out, Joe, it all makes sense why the Bears have to make Caleb Williams the pick. Um, what happens then at two and three? Is it quarterback, quarterback, and then I think there was one we were talking about off the air yesterday that had quarterback, 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 one through three, and then wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, four through six. Um, yeah. the, the one thing I've seen penciled in in multiple multiple places is Brock Bowers at five to the Chargers. That's something to yep. consider, and whether you want to classify him as a tight end or just an offensive weapon. Um, but Marvin Harrison's going to go somewhere in that top five. And then the wide receivers possibly start to jump off the board. If Harrison goes three, you would presume four at the latest. Well, now we bring in neighbors and a Dunze. A Dunze I've seen to the Giants more often than not in most of the reputable mock drafts. So it definitely feels like we've reached one of those draft seasons. And maybe it's just early, like I said, three months out where all the focus right now is on the skill position players, right? And it's quarterback, 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 then wide receiver, wide receiver, and maybe Brock Bowers thrown in. And you don't hit a lineman until you get to five or six.
0: If it goes as expected and it's made pretty clear that the Bears are going to take Caleb at one, I think the draft starts at two. Because that's fascinating. What is Washington going to do? Is it Drake May? Is it Jaden Daniels? Is there a team in love with Jaden Daniels that's willing to move up to two? And then how far down do Washington have to move back if they want to get a haul of draft picks, right? And then I wasn't quite expecting so many to have quarterbacks in the first three, all three spots. But that's a real possibility. And it's extremely early in the process, but that's what a lot of people have. And you brought up Brock Bowers. There's, that's another fascinating thing to watch because if you make a big board, right? Everybody, everybody has Brock Bowers in their top 10. I'd say the majority have Brock Bowers as a top five football player in this draft. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. because of the position, how high are you willing to go? Typically, you see the number one tight end if they're legit drafted teens, 20s. We know about Kyle Pitts, fourth overall in 2021. That has been a disaster for Atlanta because they haven't gotten anything out of the position. 2019, Hawkinson was a top 10 pick. He's been awesome. Yeah, Eighth overall. Is, is he worth it? Maybe. He's not even on the team that, that drafted him originally, but they're doing just fine because they drafted another tight end. The Lions are going to be playing this weekend. Um, that's really interesting. Because Bowers is a top-five talent, but because of the the position he plays, like, will somebody draft him top-five, top-ten? I'd be surprised if he goes top-five. But that five spot, think about Bowers on that Chargers offense. Man, if the receivers are healthy and with that quarterback, that could be Mm -hmm. lethal.
1: Yeah, especially if you are a team like the Chargers or you feel like you've got your quarterback, you're, you know, a tight end away from really having an awesome offense. Like I could see a team doing something like that and moving up or taking him high the question for me obviously being in the Washington area it, it'll be intriguing to see what Washington does because I think they're in a similar situation to the Bears they haven't had a quarterback since RG3 and that didn't even work out well there's been like 30 plus quarterbacks since then it's been terrible then you had Ron Rivera who's a defensive guy he got fired they bring in Adam Peters who was John Lynch's right hand man so it seems like they're gonna want to get like a ben johnson a younger offensive guy who are they gonna get at head coach do they want to bring in another north carolina quarterback or do they go with Jaden daniels like i think there's a lot of question marks and i agree it starts at two because i'm not sure what they're gonna do i mean especially in years past you would think they'd do something stupid but now they they have to get this right they
0: have
2: to take a quarterback You have to,
0: right? 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah.
2: But, like, to your point, Aaron, like, hey, let's run it back with another guy whose highest level of competition was the ACC. Like, is that? Mm -hmm. Or or we go Jaden Daniels, who I think is uh, incredibly talented. I think he's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. But there's question marks there about experience, about what happens when he's in a less than optimal system like two and three at quarterback are no sure bets. And then you work your way down to like four and five at quarterback. And we start to ask questions question, how many quarterbacks are going to go in the first round? And, you know, in a lot of these mock drafts that are already out, you see Seattle at 16, NAB one, or maybe the Rams at 19, Um, New Orleans at 14, maybe those are all, teams in the teens that could be interested in quarterbacks in some of those mock drafts like Daniel Jeremiah and, and Bucky Brooks the guy that goes in that spot whether it's 14 to New Orleans uh, in Jeremiah's or 19 to the Rams and Brooks it's Bo Nix you look at Bruegler, he's got J.J. McCarthy to the Rams at 19 Mel Kuyper has McCarthy to the Seahawks at 16 I'll go on record right now J.J. McCarthy great National championship quarterback. That's wonderful, but we know the way things were built at Michigan. J.J. McCarthy is this year's Kenny Pickett in the draft. That's what he's going to be way overdrafted by someone in the teens who thinks, no, there's a bunch of intangibles in this guy. I really like him. Now, people are going to hit me with, yeah, but McCarthy's 21, almost 22. Pickett was like 37 when he got drafted. And I hear you, but (laughs) I think physical skill set wise, they're not that far off. McCarthy is pick at 2.0, at least in so much as he's going to be overdrafted somewhere in the teens or right around 20.
0: But he played in the same stadium. Like, the fan base likes him. They all watched him. <laughs> How many times did you have
2: to hear about that?
0: It's like, I'm yeah, let's draft a my quarterback. Let's draft a quarterback because he played his college games in the same stadium as the NFL. So played. stupid. <laughs> um. It's- Speaking of speaking of the other quarterbacks, the name that I find most interesting, like McCarthy's a good one. Is he going to slide into the first round or not? Right? And that's going to decide a lot of bets for people that bet the number mm. of players over under on number of quarterbacks taken in the first round. I wasn't expecting so many people to be so high on Bo Nix. Mm. It's not Bo Nix is a first rounder. It's Bo Nix is a first half of the first round. That surprised me a little bit. Now, somebody's got to be the fourth quarterback, and if it's truly going to be QB, QB, QB to start, the fourth one's probably you're not going to wait that long. With the uh, the level of quarterback play that we all watched this year with many teams, I'd say almost half of them looking for a quarterback. So I get it. but So Jeremiah Nicks, 14 to New Orleans. Um, Bucky Brooks, head of 19 to the Rams. Our lads, 11 to the Vikings. Charlie Campbell at, at Walter Football is actually one of the most accurate mock drafters out there year mm-hmm. after year. He isn't going 13 to Vegas. Jeez. Bo Nicks. So Ooh, the whole no. Bo Nicks thing, it's interesting because, and I figured we were going to see this after what we've seen in San Francisco. Right? Mm-hmm. Get your reps in. And we've seen so many quarterbacks lately fail that did not play a lot of football. And then we've seen some guys lately that have had a lot of experience have some success in the NFL because they got more reps, because you had more tape. You you knew more about the player. And and we're seeing that right now in San Francisco. And people are taking a look at guys that transferred and ended up playing five, six years like Bo Nicks. Like, yeah. Yeah, he could step in. He could do what they're doing with the Niners. Like, if everything else is built around him, he could be all right. He could have a higher floor for us. So, I mean, early on, it looks like Bo Nix is like a middle of 1st round guy.
1: I like Bo Nix to the Rams and with Sean McVay. Plus, you can be under Matthew Stafford if, you know, he's getting older. I like that a lot. I think that would be a good look with all the weapons they have there. But will he be available at 19? That's the question.
2: Yeah. Nick's in the top half of the first round. I don't know if there's any teams in the top half of the first round that have the right support system to help Knicks use all those intangibles and all that experience you just brought up, Joe. He's got to slide into the bottom half of the first round to have some immediate impact, I would think. BetQL right. Daily is presented by BetMGM. Brad Spielberger, We'll ask him some of these mock draft questions, maybe. And also got to dig into the conference championships with the big brain on brad brad spielberger of pff next right here on betql daily presented by bet mgm
4: we'll be right back with betql daily presented by BetMGM mgm
2: on the betql network Are you ready for the
4: most interactive sports gambling show? Introducing BetQL Send It It In In with PJ Glasser. We want to hear from you. Send It In is about your picks, your trends, and your fades. Share your thoughts, predictions, and your best daily best bets with the Send It In community. Set your reminders, mark your calendars, and get ready to send it in on weekday afternoons at 1 Eastern on Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. On your home for wagertainment, the BetQL
2: Network, presented by BetMGM. BetQL and
4: BetMGM are bringing the big game in Las Vegas to you. Don't miss You Better You Bet and BetMGM Tonight, broadcasting live at Mandalay Bay in Sin City, leading up to the big game starting February 5th. Is BetQL Daily presented by ben MGM from BetQL.
2: One hour from now, we play Trend or Truth with the Conference Championship games coming up this Sunday. Before we wrap up the show, obviously we'll have our Lightning bets, best plays for the day, and probably add some more to the cards for this Sunday as well. Forty minutes from now, Jimmy Patos of Monumental Sports Network to talk college hoops, but also NBA and the mess in Milwaukee is. Adrian Griffin is out, and Doc Rivers may be in, he said hesitantly. Uh, and coming up in 20 minutes, College Hoops specifically, Kentucky held to 62 points, in South Carolina, a couple of big, big 12 road wins for Houston and Texas, who continues to bounce back. Uh, all that on the way alongside Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth. I'm Chris Mack. This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Watch us on twitch.tv slash betql and listen inside your free Odyssey app. He joins us every Wednesday around this time from Pro Football Focus, our guy Brad Spielberger. Morning, Brad. How are you?
3: Doing great. How you guys doing?
2: Good. We were just arguing about mock draft season. Um, we'll save that because I'm sure you've got thoughts on the preliminary mock 1.0s that are out from a lot of the big mock draft names. Um, but let's start with the conference championship games. Um, just diving into these two games – we we played a, a power ranking earlier where we had trouble coming up with liabilities on the Ravens. Um, like where are the weaknesses on this team? And, you know, it, it, they're hard to find. Yet the other side of the coin is Patrick Mahomes. eight zero and one is a road dog in his lifetime. And where, where do you look at this AFC championship game? Where are there maybe some opportunities
3: here? Yeah, I mean, the Ravens are probably the most complete team in football at this point, <clears throat> especially if they get back Mark Andrews at tight end and Marlon Humphrey at corner because corner's probably where I would start here and say you're getting great play out of Brandon Stevens, a recent draft pick of theirs, and Ronald Darby, who's always a good player when healthy but kind of one of those guys that just never can stay healthy. But I think you can attack those players. And then the other side of the ball, Odell Beckham Jr. ran eight routes in that Houston game, like quietly had his usage brought way down. It was a Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman game. And I love Zay Flowers, fun rookie, and you know Bateman's been a good player, also a first round pick. But those guys against the Chiefs' secondary, playing as well as they are right now, like it's 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 a mismatch uh, in favor of Kansas City. But I, I do agree that the Ravens are probably the hardest team right now to poke holes in. And,
0: and Brad, a lot of people are are taking a look at it and saying, ah, it's that time of the year. Here come the Chiefs, whether they like it or not. Like, okay, they had their issues in the regular season; they're figuring things out now, but. Uh, You know, I would point to and many others would say, well, look at the two teams they played to get here. Like we can sit here and look at the data, the season long stuff and where they rank and and those defenses in the Dolphins and um, and this past weekend with the Bills. However, when you're missing like almost half your starters, like how do you balance that out? So when you look at what the Chiefs offense is doing right now, how much is like the opponent? didn't have their guys and it's not as impressive? Or are you like, look, man, best quarterback in the world, and he's playing hot at the right time?
3: No, I'm with you 100%. I mean, I do think Patrick Mahomes elevates his game. Travis Kelsey uh, had his 14th 75-plus yard outing, the most in NFL history in the playoffs. Like, those guys do take it to another level come playoff time. But I'm with you 110% to where particularly those two guys are are Kelsey – where the linebackers and safeties you're playing against Buffalo, a bunch of injuries there. And then Miami, their pass rush is a bunch of 40 year old guys. They signed off the street because they had so many injuries on the edge. So you're not attacking the tackles, uh, which is Kansas city's weakness right now on the offensive line. And then you're also getting a Travis Kelsey running more open. Obviously the busted coverage touchdown where he was wide open. Those things aren't going to happen uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, Kyle Hamilton at safety and Roquan Smith at linebacker are going to be as good against Travis Kelsey as anyone who's played the entire season. You get Rasheed Rice a little bit banged up. Joe Tooney at left guard maybe doesn't play with a peck injury. And all of a sudden you got Justin Matabique causing problems. We know the edge rushers in Baltimore. Not superstars, but a good rotation of players. I- I'm with you. They-, they have gotten a, I'm not going to say lucky, but they-, they caught some breaks in who they faced to get to this point.
1: So that sets me up. What do you like in this matchup, whether side, total, or props? Have is there anything you've bet already, and then uh matchups that you have your eye on?
3: Yeah, so I, I jumped on a prop immediately on Sunday night, and I do think we've probably lost some value here. I had the Lamar Jackson rushing yards at fifty-seven and a half to the over. I think it's around sixty-three and a half now, maybe even a little bit higher at this point, but. I might still like it, frankly. So um, the Chiefs' weakness on defense is their run defense. I mentioned they have an elite coverage unit, and they really, really do. uh, But this is one of the worst run defenses in the NFL, and maybe in part by design. But um, in particular, the way they lose also is outside the tackle. They are 32nd in EPA per rush allowed and second to worst in success rate allowed on runs outside the tackles. The Ravens have the most rushing attempts in the NFL – outside the tackle and the fewest between the tackles like the run uh, off of those guys. So a strength against a weakness. And then also we saw in the Josh Allen uh, Buffalo bills game, the the Kansas city against quarterback rushing bottom five in both of those metrics as well. So, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson. Don't need to really go into how good he is running the football six yards per carry on runs off tackle. This year is fourth in the NFL And he also led the league in scrambles and forced the most missed tackles on scrambles this season. Um, I I love the Lamar rushing props in this game. I think that's how Baltimore wins, is these long, you know, 10-play, 6-minute drives where they run the ball a ton, don't put the ball in harm's way, um, and, and just not let Patrick Mahomes get on the field.
2: Brad Spielberger, pro football focus with us here on BetQL Daily. So when we look at the late game and we look at the Lions secondary, and I was going over some of the PFF numbers on the corners and how bad they are earlier. Um, we've also got the idea of Debo Samuel, maybe not being a part of this one. Maybe that neutralizes that advantage for San Francisco just a little bit. Um, where else do you look on both sides of the ball? Because the one spot I look at Brad is not on either side of the ball. It's on the sideline. Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell, loves to play Dan Campbell ball. Hey, it's fourth and eight at our own 24. Sure, yeah, let's dial something up. Um, And I think that may be an advantage for them, but I also think it could be one of the biggest problems for them is they can't afford to miss in those those circumstances. They've got a hit on all of those wild Dan Campbell,
3: you know, where he just says, yeah, let's roll the dice and go for it. It's going to swing the game in either direction because I think the great equalizer, it's almost kind of beautiful in, in this game, is Kyle Shanahan, probably the best, you know, schemer, play designer, play sequencer in the entire NFL, horrific game manager. And you saw it in the first half of this game where they don't even try to score points against Green Bay, basically just waste time, bleed out the clock, and it could have ended up costing them the game. And that's that's a trend. He's always been very, very poor with clock management, never goes it on fourth down, kicks long field goals and plays for field goals, all these things that you know, haven't come back to bite him, I guess, all the time because they're winning a lot of games. But it, it's, it's, a, it's a potential advantage for Dan Campbell, but like you said. Also, if they're not converting on those opportunities, then it could swing the other way. So I think this one's very interesting where you mentioned the Lions outside corners not having, you know, a, a good stretch here. Got killed by Baker Mayfield, you know, over 10 yards per attempt for Matthew Stafford as well. If Debo doesn't play, though, or even if he does but he's not fully healthy, I actually love Christian McCaffrey receiving yards in this game as well. Uh when Debo doesn't play, he's gone over fifty yards in both of those games this season. Uh his fifty plus prop is I think plus two hundred, maybe plus one ninety at this point. Um on the alt for Christian McCaffrey. I'm just gonna get him the ball a ton, let him you know make those linebackers miss over the middle. Um and I think at this point the IU number has gone too far. Um, and now I would look into a Christian McCaffrey receiving prop.
0: Brad, we all talk about golf outdoors. Right, indoors versus outdoors. So that's the thing. Once you get to the playoffs, tough conditions. Well, it's been an easy path. They had a couple of home games and now they're going on the road in what looks to be good conditions. If it's 70 degrees, partly cloudy, like the forecast is saying right now, like you can't really ding dunk off there. Um, but like, you know, it doesn't look like there's gonna be rain. Like that's been the issue with Purdy, and it happened again over the weekend. Which team does it help more? I'm not asking you the winner, but if the conditions are, you know, 70 degrees, late January for this game in San Francisco, which side uh, does that benefit a little bit more?
3: Yeah, I would lean towards the Niners simply just because not even about the quarterbacks, but just I I think the this might sound crazy with Christian McCaffrey, but I think a game condition where running was empowered and running mattered more, I think actually would skew towards the lions. The Niners quietly have not been very good against the run this year. And we know Detroit, Detroit has this two headed monster with Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. I like Jameer Gibbs props in this game as well. Um, that's been their weakness. And, and that's, again, I think what Ben Johnson is going to try to do, Um, which, you know, Kyle Shanahan of course does as well. Run the play clock down to two seconds before you snap it, run the ball a ton and have these long, slow sustained drives. But, I think it skews more towards San Fran, where if there are ideal passing conditions, I think you are going to see Brock Purdy find George Kittle, find Brandon Ayuk, and, of course, like I said, find Christian McCaffrey, um, yeah, and just be able to throw the ball more against a really, really bad secondary. So, yeah, I would have to skew that way. But both guys, yeah, when it's windy and rainy, uh, not ideal for either quarterback in this game.
1: No. What do you – When you look at Super Bowl MVP, it tends to be a quarterback that wins it. But I think if you're looking at the Niners, there's an argument that can be made like, oh, wow, look at this Mr. Irrelevant kid. He's balling. Or you say he's a product of young Shanny, and it's not him. It's the talent around him and his coach. Would you be looking at uh, someone else in that market on the Niners if you were looking to bet Super Bowl MVP and how would you approach it?
3: Yeah, I do think that you're under right there. Or I think Christian McCaffrey probably will score a bunch of touchdowns. He obviously already has. He kind of has the highlight moment of that game winner, effectively against the Green Bay Packers. You know, he's going to be super involved. I mentioned if Debo Samuel doesn't play, I think you're going to see him not only be, you know, get his usual twenty carries, but also probably get targeted. I would guess five, six, seven times in that game. Um, and we know what he can do with the football in his hands. So I do think I would play it that way. Frankly, my favorite. Uh, sticking with the same idea, it's more playing into a potential fatigue. But I kind of love Isaiah Pacheco as a Super Bowl future bet right now as well. Kind of the same same idea, or I guess different, because no one's saying that like Patrick Mahomes is kind of a uh, you know a product of his environment right now. But more so, just maybe maybe you get down the low red zone and Pacheco's punching these scores in, and then people just don't want to give Mahomes a third you know Super Bowl MVP. I think that, that it's, it, he's a long. I think it's eighty to one or something like that. Um, if I'm placing bets right now, trying to hit the long shot market, I do like Isaiah Pacheco as well.
2: Brad Spielberger, pro football focus with us here on BetQL Daily. I promised we'd pivot to the stuff that I know you guys love at PFF, Brad. Mock draft season. Everybody else, Kuyper, Brugler, Bucky Brooks, Daniel Jeremiah, they're on on mock draft (laughs) 1.0. Not Trevor Sycamore at PFF, no. Mock draft 4.0. Been doing this thing (laughs) since the regular season. So – But it it falls, it does fall in line with a lot of what we're seeing sort of across the grid, which is quarterbacks one, two, three, uh, Williams, May, and Daniels. And then you guys, the one outlier I I do see is that Atlanta at eight, Trevor has Penix. and, And that is a guy we didn't talk about a couple minutes ago when we were talking about first round quarterbacks. We were talking about the idea of where Knicks and McCarthy fall, but Penix as well. How many quarterbacks end up going in this first round?
3: Yeah, I think uh, Trevor. You know, obviously he's the draft guy; he's the expert. But I think he fell in love with a with a you know Cinderella run through the Pac twelve and the the first round of the playoff. I don't think a twenty four year old with two ACL reconstructions and and shoulder issues is going in the top ten of the draft. uh, With all due respect to my guy Trevor, so I think he could go in the first though. But I think it'll be much much later. I think you are going to get um, like the line should be five and a half, right? Because you mentioned I think a team is going to take a shot on JJ McCarthy. I would guess more in the like, you know, it was like Broncos, Raiders, Vikings, kind of in that, what, 12 to 15, 16 range. One of those teams, I think, will bring him in, intentionally put him on the bench for a year or two, and just build him up slowly and then have a bridge to to him in the future. So I think he goes. And then I think Bo Nix, too, like. I I think Penix was better this year, but you know, Nick's is also older, I get that, but but a little bit better athlete can, you know, run around a little bit more, which we know in today's NFL is so valued. Um and didn't have the injury concerns. He more just kind of played like, like a you know, like a Josh Allen without the Josh Allen abilities. Uh, in in his Auburn days, and has really settled down, brought the turnover-worthy plays way, way down. So, yeah, I think all five of those guys, of course, including, you know, Caleb May and and Daniels, I think all of them are first-round, I don't want to say locks, but close to it. And then I do think Penix, if you're a team sitting there, you know, let's say – 25 to 32 range and just say you know what this kid's super talented he has maybe the biggest arm in this class uh we get the concern we get the, the risk here but why not take a dart and see what we can do maybe he slips in there as well so I, this, the line should be five and a half uh it'll be fascinating to see what, which side it ends up on
0: uh brad final 30 seconds do you have a hot take with what's going to happen with the the coaching carousel
3: Ooh, hot take. I, you know, I, as time goes on, I don't know if Bill Belichick's going to go to Atlanta anymore. It seemed like an absolute lock, and I think there is an internal power struggle right now between some people that are already in Atlanta that don't want Bill Belichick to come in and kind of change the entire structure of the organization, which he would do and which he has the right to do. I think they're going to pivot now and maybe go to like a Bobby Slowick or, or go to a you know a young offensive mind, maybe a Mike McDonald from Baltimore. I think I think Bill, might it might just not happen at this point. Wow,
2: that is (laughs) – we talked about that earlier in the week. It's crazy to think that Bill Belichick could be left out in the cold, but without many possible destinations. That may work out that way. Brad, thanks so much for the time, man. we'll catch up again next Wednesday. Have a good one. Brad Spielberger of PFF and – yeah, maybe we talk about that a little bit more because this the Belichick thing just gets more and more fascinating, I think, to all of us that are watching it play out this way. And college hoops. Kentucky loses two big Big 12 road wins for Houston and Texas, though, and a couple of big games tonight as well in the SEC, Big 10, and Big 12. All next right here on Beck Daily.
4: We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL.
2: All due respect to the Gamecocks. I think I'm pumping my brakes just a little bit there on that take. Uh, I think this is more about Kentucky. Uh, just not showing up last night and that's happened before under Cal in Columbia, uh, where they lose 79 62 last night. Uh, a couple of big, big 12 road wins for Houston and Texas as well. We want to talk about those and look at tonight's slate. I wanted to circle back around real quick guys on something, uh, Brad Spielberger had to say, cause Paul looked up the number for us during the break. Um, there is a number out there on Bill Belichick not coaching an NFL team this year that has dropped from seven to one to plus three fifty, and I'm still Ooh. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the concept of not necessarily the NFL without Bill Belichick. We knew he wasn't going to coach forever, but being this close to the record and the missteps of the last couple of years, Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, all that keeping him from achieving that record, that mile marker of po- passing Don Shula. And now it's like, nah, I, I'm, if the Falcons are the only thing out there, I, I think I'm good. I, I think I'm gonna, I, I think I'll probably just uh, head off into retirement and watch some old army Navy games on film strip or something.
0: John. <laughs> I, nah, he wants this record so bad. He wants to beat every one of Shula's records. But like now that we're here, I'm kind of thinking about it, not from his perspective, but from the other team's perspective. Now, normally we'd say, yeah, you get Belichick. The guy's life is football. You're not going to get the guy that's, you know, on the way out the door. You know, like. Know, like what I experienced, John Fox is on his retirement, you know, like Lou Piniella, when he was managing the Cubs, he was already retired. Like we see that guys getting their last deal, just kind of hanging around, going through the motions. I don't think you're ever going to get that bell check, but like these teams are aware that the only reason this guy is coaching, that he's not ending as the head coach of the Patriots is because he wants this record. So he wants to use us. Is he going to give everything that he has? We also know that it's not a long-term thing with every head coaching hire. Like sometimes you need to bring in a veteran who's been there, fix the culture. You do need some of that, maybe a placeholder from time to time. But I, if I'm an older owner and I think most feel this way, like they're looking for the next long-term answer. They don't want to be here in two to three more years. And with Belichick, goes well, goes poorly, you're probably going to be here in two to three more years. Once he gets the record, then he's going to retire. So, like I understand if teams are like, okay, what's the point? What? He's right. going to be wearing our colors when he breaks the record it doesn't mean anything cuz everybody his legacy is everything related to the Patriots.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a good point. A part of me thinks that if it's not the right situation, maybe he will just retire. I just think if he walks into a situation where, like, the commanders, where there's a lot of work to do there, like, that's just, like, too big of a hill to climb at this point in his career, that there's not a lot of options that make sense where he can just walk in there and walk into a good situation because maybe those teams aren't wanting to hire him right now. So if his options are limited perhaps he is forced to step away. And if he does the whole, Oh, let's just take this season off and see what's out there next year. Like if people already think he's lost his fastball now, I don't know what they're going to think after a year off.
2: Right. And and if you believe the reports about him, not wanting to go to a place where he can't control the, the building, you know, the yeah. environment, right. uh, he, he he can't, he doesn't have as much control over the media market. Like, Washington's definitely not going to work. Um, like, I mean, maybe like in Atlanta or uh, Seattle where he could, you know, he'd, he'd get away with a little, the, the glare wouldn't be quite as harsh, but there's, there's, and there's just not a lot out there right now. And those places, or at least Atlanta is more about rebuilding, at least at the quarterback position. I don't know if you can necessarily jump right in, and step on the gas and get going. It'll be something to watch, obviously, as that coaching carousel continues to spin. Back into college hoops, though, here on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, alongside Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth. I'm Chris Mack. Um, Kentucky, they get handled by South Carolina. That's one game to talk about, guys. The one, Aaron, that that I had more of an eye on wasn't even Houston going out to Utah and beating BYU. I don't want to say that was expected, but You know, Houston, I think, has, if they're not going on the road against old school Big 12 members, I think that's different than going on the road to a a fellow new addition to the Big 12, which is what we had last night. It's more about Texas all of a sudden getting things right after looking like a complete disaster a couple weeks ago. You know, they lose WVU, they lose to UCF, but they've gotten some things right, including a... I don't want to say a dominant win over Oklahoma last night, but it never really felt like they were not in control of that one, the Longhorns, last night.
1: Yeah, what did that number end up closing at? So they win by 15. I was actually curious about the teams that are ranked. I was trying to find the uh, ATS trend numbers, teams that are ranked going against teams that are unranked and how Mm -hmm. that's working out. Maybe it's like 50-50 and it's not a thing. Um, but, yeah, I, that they did seem to get it together, that's for sure. Um, maybe it has to do more with, you know, these unranked teams on the road. Maybe they're feeling like they don't have as much to lose. I'm not really sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, my big takeaway from last night was about that Kentucky game because that's been the team, the buzzy team, right? Biggest liability at MGM and another a number of other sports books for the championship. And people have been backing them in a number of ways. Now I see most of the market 12 to one. I see a 16 to one out there for them to win the championship. And I asked Isaac Trotter about this because we see it just about every day. The shortish road favorite that is ranked. And, you know, conference play, this line was five and a half closing number. They lose by 17 and you're right, Chris, this was more about Kentucky. Um, And I guess you have to look at the defensive end because South Carolina almost shot 50%. Like we're not going to see that very often uh, this season, but, but yeah, I mean, that's something I'm looking for on a daily basis guys in conference play, those short ish road favorites that the ranked team that people are going to back, like I'm looking to go against those teams. It's, it's wild. Like we saw, we've seen it in the NBA, but we're also seeing it in college. These teams are really struggling on the road, even ones that have much more talent.
2: Yeah, and that that leads Aaron right into tonight's action, which includes two of those spots that Joe just mentioned. Number eight Auburn on the road at Tuscaloosa, uh, laying three and a half. You got number ten Illinois up to Evanston for uh, a game against a team who has one loss at home. Northwestern is nine and one at home. And that was way back in November to Mississippi state. I think it was, um, mm-hmm. they beaten Purdue up there. Uh, they're getting three and a half at home. I don't know as much about Bama, but I do really like Northwestern getting three and a half at home um, mm-hmm. because it's, it's the big 10. It doesn't matter if you're ranked. Doesn't matter if you're Illinois. Doesn't matter if you're Purdue, you go on the road to the big 10 you're probably not running away with it. It's probably coming down to the final couple of possessions.
1: I actually did look at Auburn at Alabama. This was at two and a half. Now three and a half. There are some fours out there. Um, The total, 161 and a half, 162 and a half, depending on where you do your shopping. Now, Alabama, 12 and six on the season. Um, Number eight in Ken Palm, but Bama, number one in adjusted offense. However... It's the other side, their defense number sixty four in Ken Pog, so maybe with two top ten offenses you want to look at an over here um I liked Alabama, but now this number's climbing, so I'm not sure if I'm gonna bet Alabama on the side. could be a close game like Joe was saying some of these road teams um what do you think Joe did you look at this one
0: i I did actually I like uh I like Bama. There's a reason that they were installed as the favorite. Now the market agrees. They're backing mm-hmm. Alabama, I think, for a few good reasons. Now, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. Auburn hasn't played anybody. They, they haven't played anybody all year. They have 16 wins, right? They don't have a win over a top 40 team. Not top 25 team. Top 40 team if you're looking at the Ken Palm rankings. Um and you've got Bama coming off a bad road loss by 20 at Tennessee. Now, Tennessee's a great team. Like, you're not going to kill a team for going on the road and losing at Tennessee. But when you look at that game, four for 21 on threes, Bama was. Like, I don't I don't see that repeating uh, now that they're coming back home. So, I like Bama. I like it. I don't know how much higher this is going to climb, but at three and a half, I'm okay laying it. Yeah, the obviously the better number. That was some value there at minus two and a half. But uh, I do like Bama in this spot.
2: There's one other one that I had an eye on, Kansas State, Iowa State. Again, one of those conferences going on the road can be brutal. Iowa State up to seven and a half now, though, on Kansas State. Um, It's just one I have an eye on that I'm going to keep an eye on throughout the day to see how much higher it climbs. Um, Like I said, it was seven and a half this morning. Um, so if that's what we're talking about later in the day, maybe stay away, but if it climbs anymore, give me eight, maybe a little bit more. Um, I, I'd start to feel okay putting a little something on Iowa State at home against Kansas State, but that, that, that's only because it comes back again to the same thing, and I, I beat this dead horse uh, the last couple of years every year, but there are certain conferences where you go on the road and it's just a completely different game than playing at home in the Big Ten, And Big 12 certainly both apply. And like we saw last night, it applied in the case of the SEC as well. Kentucky being held to just 62 points going on the road at South Carolina. So we'll see. A couple of ones to keep an eye on as we progress throughout the rest of the day. Coming up next, maybe a little college hoops, but more so the mess in Milwaukee. Adrian Griffin out. What happens now? Is it Doc Rivers who steps in for the Bucks? Jimmy Patzos of Monumental Sports Network going to join us. Coming up next right here on BetQL Daily, live coast to coast on the BetQL Network and presented by BetMGM.